So we've been in this Everyday Discipleship series and we're closing in in the final two weeks. I know, it seems like we've been here, here for a while and we're entering into the final two weeks together. Um, and when we started this series, if you remember, uh, we simply just said, hey, we're going to look at the person of Jesus. We're gonna look at the life that he lived and we're gonna do everything that we possibly can to just simply posture our lives, posture our lives to look more like his life. Uh, because being a disciple or being a follower uh, of someone, it's, it's, it's not this nine to five, nine to five gig. It's not this weekend thing. It's not this Sunday thing. Being a disciple, being a follower, it's this 365, 24, seven thing. And so that's what we kind of told ourselves when we started this series. And we're gonna talk about this more today about this continual learning process from Jesus, this continual being a disciple of Jesus. And it's not a term, honestly, disciple, that's used very much in our culture. Like you don't, you don't hear, yeah, oh, I'm a, I'm a disciple of Justin Bieber. You know, I, it's not something that we use very often in our culture today. But those of us who are Christians, we are disciples of Christ. We are followers of Jesus. Um, this, isn't, this isn't a title that we wear. Uh, being, being a disciple of Jesus isn't a title, it's a way of life, it, it, it's, a way of, it's a way of living. And so we've looked at this everyday discipleship from a number of different ways. We looked at it kind of in three specific areas of our lives. First, kind of this personal relationship. We laid the foundation saying, hey, here's what, here's what this means personally for you, you personally, with your relationship with the Father. Like, what does it look like for us to have a personal, a real relationship with the Heavenly Father? Second, we took some time to kind of look at this as disciples of Jesus. What does it look like in community? What, what does a community of believers look like? What does Jesus model for us? And third, uh, we've kind of taken this time to examine, okay, what does this do as we move out beyond these walls? Like, as we move uh, beyond our community, in our everyday walk, as we encounter our world, as we encounter our culture, what does this look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And so today we find ourselves in the last couple, last couple of weeks of this specific area, out beyond these walls, imitating the words and the actions of Jesus. So who is it that we're going to look at today? Whose words are we going to examine today? Jesus, how did you guess it, right? So we're gonna be in Matthew 28. Matthew 28 is where we're gonna be. If you use one of our Bibles, page 698, page 698. We'll start in verse 16, and we'll be there in just a moment. But before we kind of read this text, I want us just to reflect upon just how important last words are. How important last words or moments are. So if someone were to ask you, you know, if you had a few moments left on this earth, you know, you had a few moments uh, with the people you love to share a few words, what, what is it that you would say? Like, what is it that, that you would share in these final few moments? If you could plan it out, how strategic would you be? How strategic would you be with this moment and, and the words that you say? I, I'm pretty sure we'd talk about the most important things. We would talk about the things that are closest to our hearts. I don't think we're gonna spend time talking about the weather that day. I don't think we're gonna spend time talking about the latest bachelorette rumors or how many Pokemon we've caught. We're gonna spend time talking about the most important things uh, to our hearts. 
the things that matter most to us and the people that we would be with? What, what is it that you would share? What are the things that you would say? It's why I always try and say I love you to my wife before we get off the phone uh, or before we're getting ready to both leave uh, for, for work that day. Last words of a moment, last words uh, of a day, um, they, they hold significance. They carry, they carry an extra bit of weight. And so Jesus here in Matthew 28, he knows he's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. This is where we find ourselves. He knows that these are some of his final moments with his disciples in person. So, so what words, like what, what advice, what commands is Jesus going to choose to leave them with? Like what is nearest and closest to the heart of God? Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this morning, we're gonna focus on uh, Jesus's claim. We're gonna focus on Jesus's commission. And then we're gonna look at Jesus's great comfort. So if you will, the great claim of Jesus, the great commission of Jesus, and then the great comfort of Jesus. But before we arrive at his words in the last couple of verses, uh, I don't want us to miss some really amazing insight of the disciples' actions and Jesus's actions before he even begins to speak. So I don't know if you notice this, but I wanna kind of take us back to the first, first few parts of this, uh, this text. I love, I love that we get to see a glimpse of their faith they actually go to the mountain. They must have had the faith, they must have had the, the, the belief that Jesus was gonna be there. So right before this, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they had gone to the tomb. And they had gone to the tomb to see that it was empty. And Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, he says, hey, go and tell the other disciples that I'm gonna meet them in Galilee. So I love this. I love this moment where they have to have this this moment of faith to actually go where he was telling them to go. They had to trust, they had to believe the words of Jesus. They had to believe this reminder from these two women. And so they're there. They're there with this anticipation of seeing the risen savior. I love this moment. Anticipating seeing Jesus. And it says in verse 17, it says, when they saw him, what they, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love this beautiful image that we're given. This beautiful yet imperfect, messy picture of his disciples, of the church, honestly, of probably us this morning. This mixture of people full of faith, on their knees, worshiping, adoring Jesus, and then others who find themselves not quite sure if this really is Jesus, if he really has resurrected. This word worship, just so can we can kind of understand what this means, it's not this casual singing of a song. In the original language, it's a response. It's a response to seeing the glory of Jesus. It means to properly kiss the ground as you lay prostrate before a superior, 
to fall down, to adore on one's knees. Can you imagine this image with me? And in the midst of this, in the midst of the singing, in the midst of this adoring, in the midst of this worship, there are folks that have some doubt, that have some hesitation. And we know from kind of the original language, it means that they were going back and forth. Uh, They were going, kind of switching back and forth between belief and between unbelief. Uh, They can't quite decide. And, And I just was asking this week, how many of us have been in this position? How many of you kind of find yourself in this place today? How many of us have had these moments where maybe God's nudging us to do something or go somewhere uh, or respond to a specific call and we have this moment of faith mixed with this moment of doubt and unassurance? Maybe some of, our, some of you are asking, hey, is Jesus who he says he is? Is he who he says he is? And I, I love how Jesus reacts in this moment. I love how Jesus reacts. What does it say? It says, then Jesus came to them. Then Jesus came to them. In the midst of this worship, in the midst of this doubt, Jesus came to them. In fact, what this actually means is Jesus drew near. Jesus came close. He came close enough. He came near enough that they could actually see his face. They could actually hear his voice. The pursuit, the pursuit of Jesus just continued to blow my mind this week, continues to blow my mind. That Jesus not only draws near to them, but that Jesus draws near to us, continues to draw near to us in our moments of faith and in our moments of doubt, whether that's in prayer, whether that's in the word, whether that's in worship. Jesus continues to draw near. Have you ever experienced a moment like this? Have you ever felt him draw near to you? Have you ever experienced his goodness, his realness, his his grace? And no matter how you answer these questions this morning, no matter what place you find yourself in, my encouragement is just to keep seeking, to keep searching, to keep knocking, to keep pressing in, whether you've experienced it or you haven't, because Jesus I want to remind us of a promise that he makes, and I love this promise. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Seek and you will find. So my encouragement this morning is no matter where you find yourself in this spectrum, keep seeking, keep pressing in, keep searching. And this kind of brings us to the the big three C's, Uh, the claim, the, the commission, and the comfort, the great claim that Jesus makes. We'll start there. He says, all authority. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. I mean, we're talking about somebody who's just overcome death, that has just risen out of a borrowed grave. And so Jesus, he's claiming all power. He's claiming all authority and all right to exercise this power and authority. He's letting people know right off the bat, hey, there is nowhere you can go on this planet. There's nowhere you can go and a country. There's nowhere you can go in your neighborhood. There's no, there is nowhere you can go where I am not the ultimate authority. There is nowhere you can go where Jesus isn't ultimately the one in charge. Talk about no reason to have fear. I love this. In Jesus's name, we have all authority to preach, to teach, to heal, to witness, to be love, to be light. 
And the one who has all authority, the one who has all authority, no matter where you go, has got your back. And you kind of may be asking this question I was asking myself earlier this week. Hey, did Jesus, did he not make a similar claim just a little bit before this? Uh, in Matthew 11, this is what Jesus says. He said, all things have been committed to me by my father. He said this just, just a few moments uh, before, before this. He said, all things have been committed to me by my father. Not only this, but did he not exercise power over every sickness, over hunger, over demons, over the winds, the waves, even over death, raising people from the dead? Did he not prove this to be true on many occasions before this? And this is true, but nevertheless, we need to, we need to notice, we need to note uh, that it's in some way curtailed. In, so, in some ways, if you remember, he heals the leper. But what, what does he tell the leper? He says, hey, but don't, don't tell anybody about this. Similar story with the blind man. He heals the blind man. He shows his authority, but he says, you, you, you can't tell everybody about this quite yet. If you remember, Jesus is on the cross and he had the power to call angels to come and rescue him, but, but he doesn't. And so although it's, although it's self-restraint, there's still this semblance of restraint on him before this moment. And so now, very different, Jesus is claiming and letting us know there is no restraint any longer. Like, no more. There is no holding back. There's no limit. There's no holding back my power and my presence. Wherever you go, I have all authority. So why does Jesus, why does he make this claim known? Why, why does he tell us this in, in, in this moment? So that now when he commissions his apostles to proclaim the gospel throughout the world, they will know that moment by moment, day by day, they can lean on him. It's not on them, they can lean on him. And the great claim, so this great claim therefore is our introduction or a great introduction to the great commission. The great commission continue. Therefore go, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so Jesus, he gives them this impossible task. Um, Go to every inch of the world, teach them everything that I have commanded you. Sure, this impossible task without him. I think that's exactly why Jesus kind of sandwiches this great claim between the great comfort, which we're gonna get to in just a moment. You have to notice, he doesn't just give the great commission. He states this great claim and then ends it, caps it off with this great comfort, which we're gonna get to. So yeah, this is impossible without him. But you have to remember just a few, uh, few moments before this, Jesus, he shares the words. He says, with man or woman, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And so I was reminded, our God, he is a sending God. Sending, S-E-N-D, don't, don't think sending. I, when I said that this week, I was like, S-E-N-D-I-N-G. He is a sending God. And this is nothing new, like this is nothing new. This is, isn't a new mandate. This isn't a new train of thought uh, for the father. From the beginning, like this, this was and this is his nature. You think about it, in the beginning, he sends light into the world. He says, let there be light. Then he sends man and woman 
to be fruitful and, and multiply. He sends Moses to bring God's people out of captivity. He sends Jesus. He sends Jesus, his son, who is now sending us. And he sends the Holy Spirit to guide us and, and be with us as we go about this. And therefore go, that's the next, that's the next piece of this, therefore go, which might be kind of understood better in our culture if we said, as you go. So as you go, because when we kind of go as a people, we, we tend just as a culture to go to a very specific place for a very specific purpose with that being the only thing in mind. You know, for example, you know, you, you go to the grocery store, but you're going there to buy food. You know, you might go out to eat, but you're going there to enjoy a meal. You might go to work, but you're going there to work and, and to earn a living. You might go to school but you're going to class, you're going for a very specific reason. You get my point. And there is no doubt that God sends specific people to specific places at specific times. There's no doubt about that. But I think this sometimes limits, sometimes limits our expectation, our understanding of Jesus's great commission to us. This isn't a go to work and then go make disciples. Uh, this isn't a go to class and then go make disciples. This is as you go to work, make disciples. As you go to class, as you go to the growth, as you go, make disciples. And next week, we're actually gonna bring this really down to the ground. We're gonna give us some really practical things to hold on to. What does this look like as we go to make disciples? So come back next week. We're gonna dive in depth uh, to that. But right now, I want us to look at... Um, this command to make disciples. Kind of examine this command, make disciples, because this, this is not a transactional progress like that he's saying. This is, this is not um, merely transactional. This is, this is relational. He's not saying make converts. That's not what he's saying here. Being in this Everyday Discipleship series, we need to understand that this means helping people grow in their relationship with God. That's literally what this means maturing, growing. This is not transactional. This is very much relational. And as we make disciples, we're, we're forming relationships. We're, we're establishing community. Uh, we're helping people not only know the love of Jesus, but to continue following and growing in that love. A disciple's a pupil, a disciple's a learner. And so we get the joy of helping each other continue to walk and grow in our relationship with God, with Jesus. And I want us to recognize that there's not this formula. Uh, there's not this formula to, to making disciples. This is simply doing what Jesus did. This is what we've been looking at the past few weeks, inviting people into the context of our everyday lives, showing them, sharing with them, being people who exude the love of Christ. And I think we need to understand too what he's saying when he says all nations. So when Jesus, when he says make disciples of all nations, the disciples would not have pictured a map like we picture a map. They would have not actually pictured a border with colors and lines. What, what they would have heard was make disciples of all cultures, make disciples of all ethnicities, make disciples of people, that are, are different than you. And Jesus, he tells us right after this, he says, there's two important aspects as you go about living this way. He says, there's baptism and there's teaching in this disciple-making process. 
And these are important for us, for us to see. These are important for us to make note of. So when a person, when they're brought from darkness to light, and when they accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when they have faith, baptism, baptism is the sign, baptism is the seal that God is adopting him or her as a son, as a daughter into the kingdom of God to become an heir to this kingdom. It's a declaration that God, the son, washes their sins away. It's a declaration that God, the Holy Spirit, will be with them, in them, guiding them. It's a proclamation that one has broken free from the ways of the world and been brought into union with God. It, the one you're devoting your life to. So as one follows Jesus, uh, they're not only baptized, they need to be continually taught, continually growing in their love, continually learning. It says, teach, teach all that I've commanded. And I think it's important to remind ourselves of all that Jesus commanded to reflect on all that Jesus has kind of told us up to this point. And so we teach, we teach because Jesus commands us to teach. But he isn't talking about teaching so that we can know a bunch of answers. This isn't a fact gathering mission so that we can pass a test. We're recollecting, we're remembering all that Jesus has taught us so that we can live into a way of life. This isn't about a bunch of things that we know, this is about uh, the way that we live. When you think about Jesus' commands, when you think about all that he's taught, what is it that you think about? Jesus' commands, like the things he taught us, his promises, his assurances, like what is it that your mind tends to go towards? I thought this week about all the different parables. It just came to mind like the different parables that Jesus Jesus taught. I thought about all of his just amazing, just sayings that kind of pop into my mind. Abide in me, love one another, bear witness, love your enemies, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. I thought about his promises. I thought about his assurances. He says, he who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. He says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have conquered the world. I have overcome the world. I think about his words and his just many lessons on the cross, on hypocrisy, on humility, on trust, on forgiveness, on love. And these, these are the amazing words. These are the amazing teachings uh, that we have the joy of living into, that we have the joy of inviting others to live into as well. But remember, we are not alone. We are not alone. It's impossible on our own, which brings us to this third C, the great, the great comfort. What's Jesus say? Look with me. He says, surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. The beginning of this, you might read it. Hey, remember. Hey, take note. Hey, play, pay close attention. Behold what I'm getting ready to tell you. Like this is said with great emphasis here. This is not a promise he's making. Like this is a fact. He says there will not be a day 
There will not be a moment. There will not even be a second when I am not with you. Not from now, not till eternity and after that. And once again, this is not something new. This isn't new to Jesus's nature. This isn't new to the nature of God. This is just a reflection of who he's been up to this point. Remember with me back to the very beginning of this story, Matthew chapter one. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. And his name shall be called what? Emmanuel. And what's Emmanuel mean? God with us. Later, Jesus, chapter 18, what's he say? He says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, there I am in the midst of them. And now in Jesus's, in some of his final words, some of his final words, what is he reminding us of? And remember, and remember, take note. You need to know this. I am with you day in and day out. There is not a second, there is not a moment that I am not with you, before you, behind you, inside of you. Now until the very end of the age when I will be with you forever. So we have this amazing claim, this amazing claim of Jesus. Hey, all authority, all authority you have in my name. There's this impossible commission, impossible commission to live out without him. And so he gives us, amen. He gives us, it's gonna happen again, so we're gonna ignore it the second time. And he gives us finally, what, this great comfort, like this incredible, amazing truth and comfort. I am with you always. You are never alone. And so what do we, like, what do we do with this? Like, like how do we take this and, and apply it to, to tomorrow? Apply it to, our, apply it to our Monday. And I kept kind of asking, this week, hey, what's the invitation? Like, what's the invitation this week? What's the invitation for me? What's the invitation for us as a church? And the thing I just kept hearing over and over and over again was be kingdom people. Be kingdom people. And when you hear that, I don't know what you think about because I was talking about it this week. There's a big difference between being church people and being kingdom people. Kingdom people, kingdom people have the goal of reaching the ends of the earth with the authority of Jesus, knowing that he's, he is with us, knowing that it's not on us, but it's with him that we, we get to do this. And so the invitation I kept hearing, be kingdom people, be kingdom people this week. The goal is to see God's glory fill the earth. So we get to be people advancing his kingdom, filling the earth with God's glory. And so how do we be kingdom people this, this week? How do we be kingdom, this week, kingdom people this week specifically? And I believe there's, there's many of us, in all honesty, that are called to a specific nation. Like you may be called to a specific nation like right now and you know it, it's on your heart. If you are, praise God, like may we encourage you and equip you to live that out. But the truth is like some of us aren't being called somewhere to, to a specific nation right now. Um, 
Whether you're being sent across the ocean or you're being sent to the person next door, or you're being sent to a specific neighborhood. I want us to invite us to live into three specific things this week. And so in this Everyday Discipleship series, one of the things we've done is said, okay, what do we do on Monday? How can we specifically live into this? So if you're writing things down, I encourage you to write this down. One, one way to be kingdom people this week is to love the people that God puts in your path. To love the people that God puts in your path. Listen to them. Love them. Like, Meet their needs. And this isn't, this isn't something that should be really um, hard because as we go, if you remember, as we go, we're gonna encounter people. And I believe God's gonna put specific people in our past this week for us to love, for us to share the love of Jesus with. Second thing is I just wanna invite you to be prayerful over the nations, to be prayerful over the nations, to pray and to fast. I just, I mean, you can't, um, you can't help but turn on the news and just see and hear uh, just the darkness, stuff that happened in France this week, stuff that's happening in Turkey, all, all, just all the things that are going on in the nations. And even though not all of us can go right now in this moment, what is something that we can do? We can be prayerful. We can pray. We can be a fasting people on behalf of the nations we don't have the ability to go to. So that's the second thing. The third thing is I just want to invite us to give sacrificially and joyfully. Some of us are going to go to specific nations. Some of us are going to go to specific uh, neighborhoods and workplaces. But we all have this ability. We all have this ability to, to give joyfully and sacrificially our resources to, to reach the nations, even the places that we aren't able to go. So I want to invite you, you may have somebody you know that's getting ready to leave the country to share the good news of the gospel. You may know um, of an organization. So I just want to invite us to be people, to be a church that gives sacrificially and joyfully to reaching, reaching the nations. And here in just a moment, we're going to sit uh, around uh, the bread and the blood of Jesus, this, this bread and this cup. And I want us to remember this claim this commission and this comfort. We, we sit around the table each and every week and we have different things that we do to kind of reflect upon the, the, the person of Jesus. But this week, I, I just wanna invite us to reflect upon the claim, the commission and the comfort that he gives us. And so I wanna give you a question as, as you kind of take communion with people this morning. Where, where is God calling you? Where is it that God is calling you? Um, and if you can't think of anything and you, there's not anything specific, hey, just say, I, there's, there's not anything specific. Just spend time asking God, hey, will you reveal to me who it is or where it is that I, that I need to go to? So let's stand together. I'll pray for us and then we'll head to the table. Father, we, um, we just acknowledge uh, that, that you are king, uh, that all authority uh, on heaven and on earth is yours, King Jesus. Will this, uh, will this word, will this promise um, not, not just fall on deaf ears? God, will you give us hearts to, to believe this, 
to live into this, for it to actually change the way that we, the way that we go, the way that we encounter the people that we meet each and every day. Father, you are good. It's in your holy and precious name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.